This is the LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from recent issues of LexisNexis Mealy's publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The California Supreme Court on November 30th held that a state court judge erred in requiring Costco Wholesale Corporation to produce a redacted version of a 22-page report prepared by its outside counsel regarding whether certain warehouse managers were exempt from California's wage and overtime laws because the entire contents of the report are protected by the attorney-client privilege. In 2000, Costco retained an outside law firm to provide legal advice on whether some warehouse managers in California were exempt from the state's wage and overtime laws. One of the firm's attorneys wrote a 22-page report on the issue after conducting interviews with two warehouse managers the company made available to her. It was understood the communications and report would remain confidential. Years after the report was created, a group of Costco employees filed a class action suit alleging the company had misclassified some of its managers as exempt employees and therefore had failed to pay them the overtime wages they were due as non-exempt workers. During discovery, the employees requested production of the report. The state Supreme Court said it was undisputable that the report constituted a communication between Costco and its counsel and that it was of no consequence that the report was not generated in anticipation of litigation. The panel rejected the plaintiff's argument that the statements of a corporate employee to a corporate attorney are not privileged if the employee speaks as an independent witness. The court explained that when the communication is a confidential one between attorney and client, the entire communication, including its recitation or summary of factual material, is privileged. In sum, if as plaintiffs contend, the factual material referred to or summarized in the attorney's opinion letter is itself unprivileged, it may be discoverable by some other means, but plaintiffs may not obtain it by compelling disclosure of the letter. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Discovery Report Editor, Shane Dilworth. The state Supreme Court on November 30th held that a jury's award of $15 million in punitive damages to a woman who claimed she was discriminated against and harassed at her job was unconstitutionally excessive and must be reduced to a one-to-one ratio with the compensatory damages award. The court held that McKesson Corporation's conduct involving Charlene Roby fell short of intentional malice and that the reprehensibility of that conduct, quote, was at the low end of the range of wrongdoing that can support an award of punitive damages under California law. Noting the jury's substantial compensatory damages verdict of $1.9 million, the Supreme Court concluded that that is the maximum amount of punitive damages that may be awarded against McKesson. The California Supreme Court on November 19th issued a grant and hold in a case involving whether a man can bring an unfair competition lawsuit against a wireless phone company for failing to disclose that state law required it to charge tax on the actual retail price of the phone instead of the discounted rate. The grant and hold defers the matter pending the outcome of another case in which the Supreme Court will decide whether the California Constitution prohibits unfair competition lawsuits alleging the unlawful collection of sales tax on transactions that were allegedly not taxable. In that case, two individuals alleged that Target stores charged them tax on to-go coffee exempt from such taxes. In the instant case, Richard Yamsley filed a putative class action against Singular Wireless and the State Board of Equalization, alleging they violated the state's unfair competition law by advertising a cell phone for half the retail price while charging taxes on the full price of the phone.
The U.S. Supreme Court on November 30th declined to hear Ford Motor Company's challenge to a portion of a massive personal injury award involving a California rollover accident. The decision leaves in place an $82.6 million award to Benetta Buell Wilson, who was paralyzed after her Ford Explorer rolled over. Ford was challenging the $55 million punitive damages portion of the award. In January 2002, Buell Wilson swerved to avoid a metal object and lost control of her 1997 Explorer, which rolled over. She was paralyzed from the waist down when the roof collapsed on her. In 2004, a San Diego jury returned a $364 million verdict for Buell Wilson. Both the trial judge and a state appeals court lowered the verdict. The Court of Appeal later rejected Ford's appeals and set the verdict as $27.6 million in compensatory damages and $55 million in punitive damages. The Ninth Circuit in early December affirmed a Northern California federal court ruling and held an Internet service provider failed to prove that it was adversely affected by companies' spamming activities. ASIS Internet Services alleged violations of the Controlling the Assault of Non-Solicited Pornography and Marketing Act of 2003, or CAN-SPAM Act. Named in the lawsuit were two companies allegedly responsible for sending more than 10,000 pieces of deceptive and unsolicited commercial electronic messages to ASIS servers in 2005, and several mortgage brokers and loan companies that it claimed were the subjects of advertisements within the spam messages. Named in an amended complaint was lead generator Azugal.com Incorporated, which ASIS claimed acted as a marketing entity between the spammer defendants and the mortgage defendants. ASIS said Azugal accumulated customer information gained through responses to spam messages and forwarded that information to the brokers. ASIS charged all of the defendants with liability for the spam and with civil conspiracy. The mortgage defendants were eventually dismissed, and ASIS settled with most of the other defendants, leaving Azugal as the main defendant. Azugal disputed the alleged spam count, asserting that there were just over 1,400 such emails, many of which were not sent during the claimed period. A magistrate judge found ASIS did not show it suffered any significant harm and therefore did not have standing under the Can Spam Act. The magistrate also found ASIS had not shown that Azugal procured the accused emails. The Ninth Circuit panel affirmed noting that even though ASIS contended it had carried the accused emails over its servers, this did not constitute a harm as statutorily required. The panel also rejected ASIS's claims that it suffered harm because of the time its employees spent on spam-related issues. Because ASIS did not provide any records detailing such employee time, it could not constitute proof of harm. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Michael Lefkowitz. Three affiliates of Wells Fargo have agreed to buy back $1.4 billion in failed auction rate securities from investors and pay $600,000 in legal costs as part of a settlement reached with California Attorney General Edmund Brown Jr. According to a press release issued by Brown's office in mid-November under the settlement agreement, two Wells Fargo affiliates have agreed to buy back the $1.4 billion in illiquid auction rate securities from individuals, charities, endowments, foundations, trusts, corporate trusts, corporations, employee pension plans, and others purchased prior to February 13, 2008, and that have failed at auction at least once since that time. The Wells Fargo institutional broker-dealers will admit no wrongdoing as part of the settlement agreement. 
Brown sued the affiliates in April in the San Francisco County Superior Court, alleging that they had violated the California corporate securities law by misrepresenting the liquidity of the auction rate securities they sold. The Attorney General on November 17th announced he had warned local retailers that a number of children's products on their shelves contained lead and ordered them to pull the items from their stores immediately. A letter sent to Walmart stores, Target, Sears, Roebuck & Company, Walgreen, Tuesday Morning Corporation, and TJX informs them that an investigation by the Center for Environmental Health determined that seven specific toys contained illegal levels of lead. The items also violate the California Safe Drinking, Water, and Toxic Enforcement Act. The Science Letter reported December 3rd that researchers at the University of California found that lead-based paint remains a pervasive problem in U.S. cities and an increasing problem in the developing world, where it is still manufactured and used. An advance report of the December 8th issue of the publication said R.D. Edwards and a team of researchers at the University of California at Irvine determined that little attention has been focused on the factors that increase the release of lead pigment granules from painted surfaces, specifically nitrogen dioxide and ozone from transportation emissions in urban environments, have the potential to react with and remove polymeric binders in paint, making pigment granules more available for subsequent transfer to hands-on contact or deposition in house dust. The researchers concluded lead release from unexposed low-gloss acrylic household paints was 40 times greater than comparable solvent-based paints. A state court has ruled that Shell Oil Company and its affiliates must pay the state and local agencies $19.5 million for underground storage tank violations at gas stations throughout the state. The state began investigating Shell in 2006 after the San Diego and Riverside County District Attorneys settled cases with the company after numerous underground fuel storage violations at its gas stations. The state investigated more than 1,000 Shell gasoline stations throughout California that uncovered hundreds of underground storage tank violations. Shell is also required to maintain an underground storage tank compliance management program, a program covering environmental compliance requirements at its current facilities and any new facilities. The Ecological Rights Foundation has filed an amended complaint against Pacific Gas and Electric Company, claiming the company violated the Clean Water Act by allegedly discharging pollutants from numerous power poles in four California counties. The foundation says PG&E is violating the Clean Water Act by discharging a wood treatment mixture of oil and toxic chemicals into waters in Alameda, Contra Costa, Marin, and San Francisco counties without a National Pollution Discharge Elimination Permit. A former employee has filed a class action lawsuit in federal court accusing retail clothing chain Joseph A. Bank Clothiers Incorporated of discriminating against black employees and applicants. Casey Stewart's Northern District of California complaint claims black employees are routinely denied promotions as part of a policy to ignore, discourage, or dissuade qualified black employees from seeking promotional opportunities. Stewart claims that Joseph A. Bank managers have been expressly instructed to not promote black employees to keep them from management positions and to subject black employees to harsher discipline. The plaintiff claims that Joseph A. Bank management focuses on whether applicants and employees properly reflect the, quote, preferred white look and image, rather than whether they would be responsible, effective, digital employees. Stewart claims that the retailer's western region has no black employees in upper management positions. The Lexus One Community where individual attorneys are going for free case law, the Lexus web search engine, free forms, and Mealy's Online.
Get access to Lexus.com through research packages for the time you need without signing a long-term contract. Check out Emerging Issues Analysis, News, Blogs, The Download Center, the LexisNexis Store, and more. Lexis One, the online community and research resource for individual attorneys. www.lexisone.com For further information on these and other California cases, visit www.lexisnexis.com slash mealies, M-E-A-L-E-Y-S, or totallitigator.com. LexisNexis Legal News California is written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast, copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.